We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Will Levy, recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. We'll be all right. Hopefully uh, we'll get there. I'll try and be quick and let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do, and uh, we'll move forward. All good? Awesome. Well, great to be in church this morning. Great to be back. We've uh, had a f- phenomenal holiday uh, on, like, it's been a stretch holiday. In fact, we've been on and off through the whole, from almost beginning of, oh no, so the middle of December, um, or just before Christmas, and so, but now, um, me and Desiree are just like, we're, well, we've been talking a lot anyway, but uh, we're just really uh, excited to get back into the office and get things cranking, get things going, and, and we're really believing for a great year. We really are. We, we have, uh, this is a phenomenal church. You're a part of a phenomenal church. We've, we've got, a, I believe, a great leadership team and a great vision. And uh, we're excited for what God wants to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just so expectant for what the Lord wants to do. Uh, I, I just look out and I think, you know, this room is just way too small for the kids' ministry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, we, man, I, I like all those problems. They're good problems to have. Imagine if we had to move to a bigger venue that had air conditioning, <laughs> nice toilets. I mean, the guys are not, they're not really complaining. The ladies are a little bit nicer, but that's all right. But um, which, in toilets where all of them work. <laughs> anyway, but uh, good problems, good problems. But we're excited. We are really excited. Uh, we're excited to be part of it with you. And uh, I, I pray that this year you're expectant for the Holy Spirit to just move in your heart, to, to, to break barriers over, go into new areas, break barriers, go further than you've ever been before. When you, when you pray for someone, you see miracles and signs and wonders. Because I believe that this year is going to be a year of faith. It's a year, uh, I shared it at T2. By the way, T2 was awesome. Awesome, off the chart, and um, you know it's one of those things that uh, it just starts off the year. We had so much fun, and plus the Lord moved mildly. We saw just just a whole whole one morning just got taken over, and people getting anointed, prayed for, and just encouraged, and prophetic words being spoken. It was just awesome. And so, uh, here's the thing: get there next year. All right, get there next year. You missed out this year. That's okay, but why don't you prioritize it now? Think about it when you're organizing your annual leave so that next year you can be there and be and start the year strong as a church. Cool? Awesome, awesome. Anyway, um, so going back to what we're believing for, we shared at T2 that just on our heart, we just believe that this year is a year of double. Amen. Double. I don't like what Pastor T.D. Jakes says. It says, if you're praying for double, you get a double of everything. A double of blessing, a double of favour, a, a, a double of a provision, a double of issues, a double. <laughs> who wants a double of issues? Ah, 
But um, no, there's something in our spirit over our quiet time and, and just what we're believing for, that God, I just, we just have double in our spirit. You know, whether we double as a church, whether, whether we, whatever that looks like, God's going to unveil it and reveal it to us as a church as we go. And so I'm excited about that. And so in that, I've been researching and reading a whole lot about Elijah and Elisha. And in Second Kings, and so I'm, I preached a message a couple of weeks ago on in that chapter, but I want to follow through on it again this morning. So, if you grab your Bibles, um, that's not the right message. Here it is, miles away from it. There we go. Grab your Bibles and go to First Kings chapter uh, nineteen. All right, have we got it? Not on the team? All right, I'll read it out of my Bible. All right. So anyway, in 1 Kings chapter 19, this is the call of Elisha. In verses 19 to 21, it says this, So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow and... Uh, to build a fire to roast the flesh, and he passed around the meat to the town and people, uh, townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as a servant. That's paraphrased. Here's the thing: when Elijah uh, says to Elisha, "There's the call on his life." His, every single person in this room has been called by God. Amen. Every single one of us, you have a call of God on your life. If you're unsure what it is, keep seeking God. Keep pressing into Him. Keep worshiping Him, and He will tell you. Get great people around you that can speak into your life and encourage you. Every single person has a call on their life. So Elijah comes to Elisha, uh, or, or Elisha. It's actually some, or um, is a proper way of pronouncing it. And, uh, and in this moment, he anoints him uh, and then goes away and he says to him, think about what I have done to you. And Elijah goes and he takes the oxen and he slaughters them, he, he roasts them and he gives it away. Here's the thing, is when the call of God that is on your life, um, is the, he, we've got to get rid of plan B. Plan B, Elisha could have gone there. There was 12 oxen in the field. Elisha could have just gone, you know what, uh, someone else take over just in case so I can come back to it. No, Elisha gave it all up. And it says that he went and became Elijah's servant. Amen. Who likes serving? Who likes being a servant? I think we all like being a But in this time, uh, they were there to be the servant. Guess what they had to do? Wash the feet. Jesus talked about that in the, in the Gospels, about how he went and washed the, the disciples' feet. Um, so he went to be a servant. And scholars and, and the research that I was listening, it was actually about 10 years that Elisha was Elijah's servant before Elijah got taken up in the whirlwind. 10 years. Here's the thing. Has he ever had to wait for anything? See, just like King David, he was anointed to be king, but he had to wait as well. Here's the thing is, I believe there's, there's times that we have to wait, but there's also times that we can push into stuff. 
And I believe this year for you and for me, I'm going to push into some stuff. I'm going to go for some stuff. And I like what Elisha what was, his, his, his uh, passion to stick with Elijah. And so let's go back and let's read that, uh, that passage in 2 Kings now, verses 2, uh, sorry, chapter 2 onwards. And I'll read it. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha uh, were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah and Elisha, um, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Eli- Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, uh, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. But, he, uh, but, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came out uh, to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two men went across on dry ground. Are you good? When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do to you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your your request. But if not, then you won't. Uh, I'm going to leave it there because it, it goes on and it ends up good. All right, just... Just let me tell you that now. So Elisha sees Elijah taken up and his cloak falls down. The mantle gets on him. And if you read the history, if you read through Second Kings, you see that Elisha ends up doing twice the numbers of recorded miracles that Elijah does. How good is that? <laughs> you win. Who likes asking for something and getting it? Come on, I know you do. Who got what they wanted for Christmas? All right. Who needs? Who nudged someone right then? Uh, we always we always like asking for something and getting it. I believe that this year is going to be a year of asking and getting it. Uh, Elisha asked for something, and then even Elijah said, "You've asked for a difficult thing." I reckon let's ask for difficult things. Let's ask for difficult things because I believe God wants to pour it out. But here's the thing, along this, I talked about, you know, having a conviction and all that. But I want to talk about four things this morning. Four, four, four things that I believe are just standard for Christian living. Standard faith for Christian living. And so uh, I, love, I love names. Who likes names? Uh, my, all, my, all my kids have got great names. Um, I know them well. 
But the meanings for them are awesome as well, and they've got great meanings for them. And here's the thing. When the Bible talks about places and names, generally it has something significant to say. Did you know that in the, in the Garden of Eden, that there were four rivers flowing out of the Garden of Eden? Yeah, there is. So if you look in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verses 4 to 19, you don't need to go there. But there's four rivers. There's one called the Pishon, the Gishon, or the Hedekilkil. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Probably not. Which is actually the Tigris. And there's the Euphrates. And I, I love, like, one day I was like, God, what are these names? What do they mean? And I did a whole study on them. And, and the, the Pishon means to increase. And then the Gishon means bursting forth. The Tigris is, means rapid. And the Euphrates means faithful. And I was just thinking about that. Man, the, where God planted the mankind in the, in the Garden of Eden, there's supposed to the outpouring, the overflow of our life is to have increase. The outpouring is to burst forth into the worlds that we live in. And it's not to be slow, it's to be rapid. And it's to also live a faithful life. And so I love the fact that in, in something that we just read about, oh, there were four rivers in the Garden of Eden. We can actually get into it just a little bit. Well, this morning, I want to get into four places. In, in Elijah and Elisha, it talks about four places that they were coming from. Well, Gilgal was where they were coming from. But then they went to Bethel. And then they went to Jericho. And then they went to Jordan. And so there's four things this morning, four names, four definitions that I just want to unpack with us this morning that I believe will give us a great foundation to stepping into a double portion, to stepping into a double anointing on our life. So it says, as they were coming away from Gilgal, and it's the start of chapter two. Who knows about Gilgal? Gilgal, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. But let's, let's return in our Bibles to Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. Is that going to come up, team? There we go. It says this, The people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Let me just get back up. So the children of Israel have been uh, taken out of Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea, but then they, then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And this is when Joshua brings them into the promised land. And this is where they cross the Jordan River. Yeah? All right. 40 years later, the people who crossed the Jordan River on the 10th day of the first month, then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the river. And then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, what, does the, do, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the Red Sea when He dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. So Gilgal is the place that the children of Israel crossed over from their wilderness experience into the promised land. This is a great place to be, right? I don't know about you, but uh, I remember getting called to the South Island almost just on four years ago. 
or just after, four years ago, I mean, I'm coming up anyway, four years ago, and, and we crossed over from the North Island to the South Island, and we came to Picton. Picton. Picton's going to be a place where I remember I entered into the promised land. There's not too many, like, like sort of mainlanders here, is there? Anyway, but uh, no, but... I know that place. I know that Picton is a place that the ferry docks, and that's where you get off. And, but, but this is the place. Gilgal is a place that, that, that the children of Israel crossed into their promise. And Elijah was taking, had taken Elisha there because I believe because Elijah was teaching Elisha. And so he is ta- taking him to a place of remembering the promises. Remembering the, that, yes, the Lord said He'll take you out of Egypt, but into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. What is the place that, that you know that is a place that God has been there and God has done something in your life? God has broken something off. God has been there. And is there a place in your life that you just remember that God's done something? And I pray there is. If there isn't, I'm praying that there's going to be. Amen. And so Joshua brings this place, brings the people out of uh, out of the wilderness into the promised land at Gilgal. And in fact, let's go to Joshua chapter five, verses two, and then we'll skip to six and nine. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, "Make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israel." I reckon they remembered what happened there. Just going on. All right. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died, for they had disobeyed the Lord. So sad. And the Lord vowed He would not let them enter the land. He swore to give, give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons there, so those who had grown up to take their father's place, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so the place, so that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Just leave that scripture up there if you don't mind. I want to talk to you this morning that, the, that Gilgal is a significant place in your life. So Gilgal is a place that... that Jesus has rolled away the shame of slavery off your life. When if you're wanting to enter into everything that God has for you this year, you've got to know that you've crossed the Jordan River. You've got to know that place of salvation. You've got to know in your spirit that, that you're not wandering in the wilderness anymore. That Here's the thing. The devil will love to keep telling you you're wandering in the wilderness. He will love to keep. Did Jesus really do that for you? Has he really saved you from your sin? Yes, he has. The cross is so significant. Not just the crossing of the Jordan, the cross of Jesus Christ. And we've got to remember in our spirit and in our heart that Gilgal means rolled away. It actually, in another, another, the same definition is actually separation. The Lord has, separ- has, has separated you from your old life 
and your old walk of life, and He's crossed you over to the Jordan. I want to say this year, if you want to enter into everything that God has for you, you've got to know that your old life, the, the sin, the penalty of sin has been rolled away. It's been cut away. The covenant of Christ has cut away every shame over your life. That's something to praise Jesus about this morning. Can we give Jesus just some praise? I like it. Today I have rolled away the shame of slavery. I don't care. I do care. Let's just be nice. Everyone has an upbringing. Now, whether, it was, whether you feel like it was dragged up, brought up, blessed up, I don't, I don't know. But what Jesus originally ordained for you, you can choose to cross over. You can choose to go, you know what? Today, I'm stepping into my Gilgal. Today, I can step into everything that Jesus has done. The stone, it says this, the stone. I have rolled away the shame of your life. And I relate that back into the end of the Gospels where it says the stone's been rolled away. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crux of Christianity. That he died and rose again to take away the penalty of our sin. I want to tell you this morning, He loved you so much that He died and He rose again for you. He rolled away that stone. He's rolled away shame. He's rolled away that old life. Uh, if, if there's hurt and if there's pain, that's the, what the Holy Spirit has come to comfort. He's come to lead you. He's come to mend you. He's come to help you. In many areas in my life, I cry out to the Holy Spirit, Lord, I need help. I need help. And, and I've found the Holy Spirit come and help me. But I understand my Gilgal. I understand that when I was 14, I had a revelation of Jesus Christ. I fell away. I walked away from Christ. When I was 17, I recommitted my heart back to Him, knowing nothing, just going, I know that Jesus loves me. But then I kept walking with Him. And I'm here now. <laughs> I want to tell you today, don't, don't forget about the Gilgal in your life. Don't forget about that it's been rolled away. Let's move on. Because first point took 20 minutes and we've got 10 left. <laughs> Goes to the next, next place, it says this. It says, and you yourself, uh, I'm not going to leave you, so don't try and run away. Um, Verse, verses 3, it says, the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha. So, so again, uh, Elijah and Elisha went to Bethel. Now, Bethel is a significant place as well. Uh, many of you may know this, um, but we're going to turn there in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 28, verses 19, uh, 10 to 19. The team's got that. I mean, so this is Jacob. Uh, well, let's just read. Meanwhile, Jacob left uh, Bethshed and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good, good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angel of God going up and down the stairway. 
At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to me. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will be spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. Amen. And I will protect you. Amen. You were wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Amen. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it up as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. It's actually, uh, in other translations, there's a nearby city that was called Luz. Here's the thing about Bethel. Bethel was a place that, that Jacob had a dream Here's the the thing. God speaks to us in dreams. God speaks to us in dreams. I pray that He speaks to you in dreams. I always pray over the kids at night. Lord, I say, Holy Spirit, give them Holy Spirit-filled dreams. Give them Holy Spirit-filled dreams. But Jacob's had this dream in this place called Bethel and the stairway to heaven. Do you know that Led Zeppelin didn't come up with a stairway to heaven? Uh, Jacob did in Genesis. God did. And, and, and in, this, in this passage, Bethel was a significant place and Elijah was taking Elisha there. Why? Because there was a memorial set up as well. Just like there was a memorial set up in, in Gilgal where, at the Jordan where they crossed over, there was a memorial set up here. Why? It's because we need things in our lives that are going to remind us of how good God is. I want things in my life that are going to remind us that, remind me that I've crossed over from my old life into a new life. I want things in my life that it cross, that, that, that tell me that I can come into the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. This is the, it says, surely this is the house of God. Elijah was teaching Elisha, if, if you want a double portion, if, if you want to, if you want to do all that you can do, remember the presence of God. Remember the house of God. I, don't, I, don't, I know so many Christians that just love Gilgal. They just know, love knowing that they're saved. And they never enter into the presence of God. They never go right in and they never sit at His feet and they never let the bask of the Holy Spirit come and fill them. And they're like, oh, and they're nice people and they're great people. But God's got so much more. God's got so much more for you. He's got so much more for me. The Bible actually says that we will do even greater miracles than Jesus. Why? Because He's made a way where we can go into the very presence of God. And Elijah, 
just telling, reminding Elisha that let's not just be people that are saved and we've crossed over into eternity, but let's be people that know the presence of God. Let's be people that dream about angels going up the stairway and down the stairway. Let's be people that believe that that angels are bringing miracles down. Because the Bible says whatever you forbid in heaven is forbidden on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven is loosed on earth. And when we pray and when we believe, something in heaven is getting given to an angel and an angel's bringing it down that ladder and something happens on this earth. Why? Because people have prayed. People have got into the presence of God. If we want to reach the city for Jesus, it's going to come from praying and getting into the presence of God. But oh, I just like my Gilgal. Because it's nice. It's great that it's nice. But church, I want to tell you, God has got so much more for you. How do I know that? Because the devil is coming against you. The devil knows how to get to the place where he's going, I'm going to do all that I can to distract you from the house of God. But I've learned that it's only the presence of God. It's only the Bethel. It's actually the place where the Lord reminds me through trial and struggle sometime to run to Him. Just to run to Him. I know some of the circumstances that are in this room right now. Why? Because I pastor. I know some of the very fight that some of you are going through. You're coming against demonic pressure. I'm saying, come on, run to Bethel. God's given you the grace, and He's given you the power, and He's given you the authority. You're just going to run to Bethel. Elijah was pre- teaching Elisha, run to Bethel. When, when you come up against that, uh, uh, the, you know, the, one of the miracles that he needs to do, I've, I've got them a little mixed up in my head, but, but when, you, when you come up against him, that, that dead son, run to Bethel and pray and get into the presence of God. Get into the spiritual realm and pray and believe. Amen. So come on, let's have our Gilgal, but let's also have our Bethel. Let's have our Bethel. Next it goes to Jericho. Who likes Jericho? Joshua and Jericho. I like Jericho. I wish we stayed a little bit longer in Jericho. We went to Jericho a couple of years ago. It was cool. wasn't the same place, but, you know, the walls were down. Anyway. All right, Jericho. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through to chapter 6, verse 5, let's read it. Are we there? Yes. Uh, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Ah, oh, so this is where we're at too. So Joshua's uh, going for a walk, and he comes up against an, uh, like an angel. He had half the sword drawn. And this is, what it had, this is where he gets to. It says, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for uh, the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. I'm not sure. Did we have 15 in that? Let me just go back because I want to I make sure we get this. Um, where is it? It's important. Talk amongst yourselves. 
All right, stop talking. Right. <laughs> From verse 13, I apologize, not 15. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell to, with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for you this place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you your Jericho, um, its king and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will, with, will walk ahead of the ark carrying ram's horn. On the seventh day, you will uh, to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests, give one long blast on the ram's horn and all the people shout as loud as they can and they go along and they do it. There's two things that I, I want us to remember about Jericho. This is the first part, and that's why I wanted to go back and make sure we read it. Is, is God's answer, the Lord's answer when he talks to that angel. He says, are you friend or are you foe? Do you know, often in our Christian life, we like to try and find out whose side people are on. Yeah, yeah, we do. We like to find out who's for us or who's against us. And I like what the Lord says here. He says this. He goes, neither one. He goes, I am the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. Here's the thing. God's not here to take sides. God's here to take over. <laughs> Amen. And Joshua realized that. That's why he bowed low to the ground. See, our Jericho is all about the Lord taking over. It goes on in the very message that he says in chapter 6, the Lord says to him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to march around the town once a day for six days. And then I want you to march around on the seventh day for another seventh time. I want you to do it like this. The priests go first. And here's the thing, don't say a thing. See, when it comes to Jericho, Jericho is all about faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. If you want to move into a double portion or a double blessing of Christ, you're going to have to learn how to walk by faith. You're going to have to learn how to listen and bow down to the army, or the, sorry, the Lord, and you're going to have to learn to go, I'm not sure how this is going to happen. And in fact, that strategy had never been used before. Anyone in the Air Force or the Army or Armed Forces, that's a, that's a random strategy. Just, just walk around the place. Don't say a thing. I'm not sure about you, but that's a random strategy. Anyone want to try that? I don't want to try it that way. If I'm going to go and play paintball or something like that, I'm not going to walk around you seven times. I'm going to shoot you. I'm just... <laughs> I'm going to come at you. In a battle, you're going to come at someone. But no, see, this is what Jericho really means. Is Jericho means to surrender to God and to walk by faith. Are we truly going to surrender our lives fully to God and walk by faith? Do you know, sometimes people ask us, because if, if you want to be a leader in the, in the church, we ask four things. 
Just four things. Number one, come to church regularly. That's a good one, eh? Easy. Tick. I think you can all do that. And number two, pray into the life of the church. Pray for what's going on. Just had T2. I pray that you were praying for it. We've got Equip Her coming up in, in uh, March. It's going to be awesome. I pray we're praying into it. We've got Michael Maiden coming up in February. It's going to be awesome. So we ask people to pray into the life of the We ask people, if you want to be a leader or serve in the life of the church, to come to Vision Night. It's good, eh? Vision Night's... Vision nights, we want to actually, I'm probably going to change the name to equipping night because I can't give you any more vision. The vision is reach your world for Jesus. And so we're going to do equipping nights, how to equip ourselves to reach our world for Jesus. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing that we ask people if they want to be a server or a leader in the life of the church is to actively tithe. Ooh. Now that's a harder one. It is a harder one, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or anything like that, but we know if people are actively tithing, they've dealt with humbling themselves before God. And that it tells us that they're open to a whole lot of other things that God wants to teach and tell them in the life of the church. That's why we say tithing. It's not because we know the blessing that it's going to pour out on your life, but we know that you've surrendered your heart to God and you're walking by faith and not by sight. I, I know I got friends who, who have walked, I've, I've talked with them over the last few years and I've seen them start actively tithing and I've seen them get promotion and promotion and promotion, new jobs. Why? Because they started trusting God in that area. Anyway, moving on. So our Jericho is our surrender to God and to walking by faith. Amen. The music team better come up. Otherwise, the pizza will arrive. So we've got our Gilgal. We're our separation from our old life, our separation from our sin, our separation from our hurts and our pains. And we've got a memorial there. And then we've got a Bethel, which is the presence of God. Surely this is the house of God. This is the place, the presence of God. Come on, let's value the presence of God. Get into the presence of God. We've got our Jericho, which is surrendering our lives to the Lord, surrendering to the word of the command of God. Joshua bowed down. He's like, neither, I'm not on either side. I'm the Lord of the heaven's army. He bowed down. God's here just to take over our lives and to walk by faith. The next place it goes to is actually the Jordan. It says they lead them back. Elijah leads them back to the Jordan. And we see at the Jordan about how Elijah takes his cloak off and he, and he, and he, and he hits the, he strikes the, the Jordan. The Jordan uh, opens and they walk across. Here's the thing with the Jordan is, is that it, before, if I said to you, what's the one thing you know about in the Bible that the Jordan River represents? What would it be? Baptism. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there's other answers. Not, not, not that any of them are wrong. But I think often we know and remember the, the Jordan River about baptisms. In fact, if you go to Israel today, there's this little bit of the Jordan River and hundreds 
and thousands of people go there to get baptised. Why? Because it's the place in the Bible that John the Baptist was baptising people. It's the place in the Bible that John the Baptist baptised Jesus. And so there's the Jordan River. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, it says this uh, paraphrase. It says, And when they had confessed their sins, they, had been bap- they were baptised in the Jordan River. I know there's been separation in that Gilgal, and Gilgal was very close to the Jordan River that it flowed through. But when it comes to the, the, the Jordan in our lives, it really, really, really represents the death and the resurrection, but the new life that we have in Christ. It's the promises that we have in Christ. I love baptism services because baptism in water is all about saying and declaring, I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm dying. I'm going under the water. That's what it represents. Under the water. I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm dying with Christ and, in, and I'm rising again into my new life. See, Elijah took Elisha back through the Jordan. He's like, I'm taking you across it because your very first thing that you have to do is go back across it in your, into your new life. Because the old life was after I, taught, I was with you and I taught you, but there's, your new life is crossing over that Jordan River and starting your new life in the way and the call that God has placed on your life. Come on, your Jordan. What is your Jordan River for you? Where is God calling you into your new life? As I said before, I know some of the stories. I know some of the trial. I know some of the the challenges. But God's got your new life. And sometimes, it's not that I thank, but I understand the Scripture, all things work out for good, for the good of the Lord. Because I've seen people hurt. I've seen tragedy. But it says that all things work out for the glory of the good of the Lord. I'm like, how does this work? But when you step into your new life, you know that the Lord is with you. You know that somehow... It's going to get better. When you, when you know that your old life is gone and there's new life to come, it's about taking hold of that new life, but taking hold of it with, your, with the presence of God. It's about taking hold of it and saying, you know what, I'm not going to understand everything, but I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to walk by sight. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust God. See, all of us have to continue to, trust God. All of us have to continue to have our Jordan River experience where our old life is gone and our new life has come. But I want to encourage you this morning when it comes to your new life, can you believe for even greater? Can you believe for even greater? The Bible says that God will do exceedingly more than we ask or think at work with the power of God within us. It's Ephesians 3.20. What can we believe for? What can we believe for? At T2, 
We prayed for a couple because they'd exercised the Scripture. In James chapter 5, it says, If any of you are sick, call for the elders, and they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. And they'd asked the elders to come and pray for, for the situation. And I was like, yeah, we need to do this. But it was just before Christmas and things got crazy and Christmas stuff organising and holidays and all that. And I said to them at T2, I apologise on the behalf of the elders that we have not prayed for you yet. And the first thing we did on one of the mornings was pray for this little person. Why do I say that? I'm not paying out the elders. I'm not paying out myself. Why am I saying that is because I want to step in to the, my new life in Christ. And my new life in Christ, for me, means to take authority over the sick. Now, not when it's convenient, not after a holiday, not, oh yeah, I'll organise it and we'll get together and we'll pray. no. Our new life means taking authority now. The Bible has told us, Jesus has told us, we've been given all authority on the heavens and the earth. Now go and heal the sick, raise the dead. The blind will see, the deaf will hear. I'm like, that's the God, that's the new, that's the Jordan River I'm crossing over. I want to I encourage you, come on, cross into the Jordan River of faith. Cross into that new life. Your old life, I'm praying courage, come on. Courage this morning. I'm praying faith. Oh, well, we've done that, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Well, maybe you need to do another bungee jump. Oh, but it broke last time. Well, why don't you trust God this time? Have I ever been disappointed and hurt? I felt like God's done hasn't answered my questions? Yeah, I have. But here's the thing. Often I've found out later on that He did answer them. He just answered them a different way than what I wanted them answered. We've all got a Gilgal. We've all got a Bethel. We've all got a Jericho. And we've all got a Jordan. If we want to step into everything that God has for you this year, I pray you'll know the separation from your old life. I pray you'll know the presence of God and you'll honour the presence of God. I pray that you'll walk by sight and you'll give everything to the Lord. You'll lay your life down for Him. And then I'll pray you'll step into your new life and the courage and the confidence that Jesus died for and gave His life for you and for me. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray and we're going to close. You've done so good in the in the heat. You want to borrow my towel? You can come and get it. I probably wouldn't. Holy Spirit, I just come and move on every person. Lord, for every person that's disappointed in this room. Lord, I. I just pray, Holy Spirit, take him back to Gilgal. Just take him back to the very place 
that they crossed over into salvation. May they know the love that you have for them. May they know the call of God on their life. just breathe on every person. Whether they're in the foyer, whether they're in the parents' room, whether they're there and kids, I pray Holy Spirit, just come and breathe to everyone's place of salvation, of separation from their old. Lord, restore. I pray this morning, Lord, Restore, restore unto them the joy of their salvation. And renew a right spirit. Spirit of joy. Spirit of faith. Spirit of belief. I release that into this place right now. I release your anointing, Lord. Feel your anointing. Lord, pour out your spirit. May it rain. Lord, for our Bethels, the house of God, the presence of God. Oh, Lord, we need you. May we never be too busy to be in your presence, to run to your presence, to dream to prophesy, to declare. For our Jerichos, Lord, that we surrender our lives to you and we walk by faith. And Lord, to the Jordan. Bible it says when Jesus was baptized it said that a, the Holy Spirit settled on Jesus like a dove I want to encourage you if you've if you've been baptized just let the Holy Spirit settle on you if you haven't been baptized go to the resource desk put your name down and get baptized I don't care how old you are I don't care if you've been a Christian for 20 years. What you're doing is you're obeying the Word of God. But Lord, would you settle? Would you rest on every person like a dove? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.